Hi, hello and welcome. This is the Zonecast, where we interview emerging professionals, entrepreneurs and academics. And uh, today we have with us on the show, Adam Cornell. He is the founder and CEO of Unbuilders. Uh, hi, Adam. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'm definitely excited for this particular interview and learning about yourself and also about your background and your business. Uh, can you share your professional and personal background? Sure. Um, so uh, I grew up in Ontario. I grew up in Ottawa and uh, and then Kingston. And um, I was always fascinated by construction. Um, I, I grew up wanting to be an architect. Um, so I used to always draw blueprints and houses and whatnot. Um, and then uh, my professional career really started at a young age. I was always renovating house, my house and projects with my dad and my brothers. Um, and then my dad and I flipped a house when I was in high school. And that was really my first project that was, that was ours um, to take on. And since then, I've really been involved in construction uh, from that from that point on uh, in between university i was framing houses or doing renovations and uh, as soon as i was done university i got i got back into construction um and uh, my career has kind of evolved since then so um i was building custom houses in calgary um from 20 2008 to 2013 and then i moved to vancouver in 2013 and launched a sustainable contracting company um, and from there, we launched on Builders as an entity in 2018, and uh, and I made the full transition last year from a builder to an unbuilder. So I'm I'm no longer building. We're just unbuilding and deconstructing buildings, and and then uh, brokering the reclaimed wood, and eventually we'll be manufacturing with that reclaimed wood. That's, uh, that's kind of the entire purpose of of launching on Builders. Um, did you need more background on my, on the business? Oh, sorry. Yes. So as I was saying, you have quite an interesting, uh, transition, um, from building to unbuilding and, uh, and, uh, uh, so can you talk more about unbuilders and, uh, and what, what you do and how long have you been doing it and the whole, and the whole idea of uh, reclaimed wood? Sure. So the the idea for unbuilding um, came came out of my sustainable contracting company. We were always deconstructing on some capacity um, on a small scale when we were doing renovation custom, and we would take the lumber that we'd recover from the demolition deconstruction phase, and we would produce products or uh, building materials for the the new build or renovation. Uh, from that. So we we're doing this on a small scale. And in 2014, um, we were doing a house on the west side of Vancouver, a 120 year old house renovation. And uh, the city of Vancouver came out with a green demolition bylaw at the same time, which mandated a certain amount of the materials from any demolition in the residential sector were recycled, um, which was the first step towards a deconstruction bylaw. So 
we were already doing that. And I thought, you know, the city is clearly moving this direction um, as well as the industry. Let's go and try to deconstruct a house. So um, I pulled my crew off of a build and we went and deconstructed a house for no cost just to recover the materials and and see if we could recoup our service costs from the sale of materials. Uh, which, which we couldn't. Um, so the reclaimed wood we, we, we capture doesn't actually cover the labor, um, that it takes to get it out. Um, but we can compete with demolition with our price from, from that material. Um, so it took a few years of developing the business model in order to launch on builders in 2018 as a separate company. Um, and so for me, it was really the wood that, that drove this shift for me. The uh, the lumber that we're recovering in the west of the uh, of the country is from old growth Douglas fir trees uh, that were milled anywhere from you know 50 to 150 years ago. So I knew that that lumber was really valuable. It's better than the wood we have today, and it's also a much greener product as much lower embodied carbon because it was already milled and manufactured. And so for me to watch demolition occurring on on a massive scale like they are in the city of Vancouver uh, was it just didn't make any sense to me that we're throwing out all of this beautiful material that we that we don't have anymore um, and every demolition we have makes it more and more rare so I thought we got to do something to show the demolition industry and the construction industry in general that there's a better way to take buildings down and uh, and that's really what we've we've done with unbuilders and our story and our service has evolved um, very rapidly over the last three years um, to the point now where we're taking buildings down, whether it's a single family house or a commercial building, um, we're taking them down with heavy machinery, either cranes or excavators um, in order to not slow down the build process um, very much anymore and uh, compete directly with demolition on time frame. Mm-hmm. So this um, reclaimed wood, um it's obviously a good idea because you're reusing and recycling um i guess reusing the wood rather than let it go to waste yeah and, uh, as as you um and it's also uh much stronger and more dense than new wood i, I guess wood gets yeah. better age uh so combination of things the wood because it's been in walls dry for a hundred plus years uh it does it does get harder through time because it's more and more dry, but the wood itself, because it came from old growth trees. So these were the monster trees that we, we have very few of them left standing. Um, but all of the lumber back, you know, a, a century ago was from these trees. They were so big cause they were, some of them are up to 2000 years old. Uh, the wood grain is really tight. So it's, it's lumber we don't have anymore. And because that wood grain is so tight, the wood is actually significantly stronger than the lumber that we have today. Um, plus, we made a transition in the in the utilizing Douglas fir because we didn't have much left for framing. Uh, we we transitioned to spruce. So Douglas fir is a better wood. It's got a higher quality than spruce in general. And then old growth Douglas fir is even better. Um, so. This is really the best softwood lumber product that that we have, and uh, so for for us, it's crucial that we're recovering this and not just letting it go to the wayside. Mm-hmm. And in terms of like price, um, is it um, are you able to provide it at the same price as new wood, 
uh, or is it more expensive, more affordable? How does that work? It depends on what dimension and what type of wood you're looking at. So the smaller dimensions that we have, like two by four and two by six, we are competing. We're, we're slightly cheaper than new lumber. Um, and that's just because we have high volumes of it. So we're trying to move that quickly. Um, but when you get into the bigger dimensions, beams or like really historic material, um, like we took down a 150 year old barn, that barn board is really special. Um, so some of our material do fall into a premium price range and you really want to utilize that premium product for your finishes. You don't want to put it back behind walls. You want it out, out in the front surface, whether it's flooring or wall uh, feature walls or furniture. Um, and it, it can stand, stand up to that kind of wear and tear because of the properties of that reclaimed old growth. Um, yeah, so there's a, there's a sliding spectrum of cost depending on what the material is that uh, that our customer is looking for. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's amazing. Um, so it seems like you've been in the construction business um, for a long time, and now you're on the deconstruction business. Um, so I'm, uh, one of my questions was, like, how do you promote your business? But I'm guessing... Since you've been in the industry for such a long time, you already have your, all your connections and brand. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I have all of them, but yeah, I, I certainly uh, I worked really hard when I got when I moved to Vancouver, getting into a new market to to just network with as many industry professionals as possible, and that was obviously to generate work for the contracting company, but also just to be um, educated and always. Uh, you know, ahead of the curve. Um, so for me, it's really important. I, I'm an entrepreneur and an innovator. So I want to make sure that, uh, that we're doing things as progressive as possible. And so I, I had a great network of builders, architects already. And, and that network has just continued to build. And, um, and then we've been really fortunate to have a lot of really positive media exposure pretty much from day one with unbuilders. Uh, so, through time, we've really started to build a following and um, and people know who we are and what we do. And we'll continue to expand that. And um, are you like the only company in Vancouver doing this or do you have competition? So we're, we're the only company in the country that's dedicated to deconstruction on a full time basis, uh, primarily in the residential sector. So. Every city, pretty much in North America, there are some salvage companies. So salvaging is, we're not inventing salvaging. That's always been done. And there's a lot of great companies doing that. Um, but there's a lot of what I call cowboy salvagers, which is, you know, where we started as well, which is picking and choosing and getting the, some salvage here and there. And, and then, you know, primarily turning that into custom furniture pieces or, or the likes. Um, whereas we're, we're doing this for the large scale. So we're looking at uh, doing a lot of projects every year and we're looking at scaling to multiple cities um, relatively quickly as well. Um, so there's a lot of infrastructure on the back end that other salvage companies wouldn't have, which is the ability to receive process uh, high volumes of material and get that material back into the supply chain. Um, so we we really have that vertical integration. Uh, we have we actually have two brands in one. So there's Unbuilders that does the service, and there's Heritage Lumber 
the brokers the material and will eventually have a product line as well. Um, so it's the whole gamut is uh, unique to us and, and something that we are building for large scale capacity, um, not to just stay within Vancouver with a smaller business. Um, which, which most salvage companies that, uh, that we're either in talks with or, or have researched, um, most of them are, are local, localized, uh, and, and, you know, they're all doing great things. There's a, there's a lot of great reclaimed wood companies out there. Um, but, but, uh, not, none that are looking at it in the same vein as us. Mm-hmm. Um, how many houses have you deconstructed since inception? Since inception, we've done, uh, I'd say probably about 75 houses. Um, so this year we're going to do around, we're going to have completed around 32 houses and uh, a few commercial projects. Um, and, you know, we're growing, we've doubled in, in volume um, year over year. So January will mark the end of our third year mark. So we did, uh, we did about a dozen houses in our first year about 21 houses last year and then this year we'll do the the 32 plus some commercial work which those commercial jobs are quite large so you know they're they're the equivalent of anywhere from you know five to 15 houses in one project wow and you were like physically physically involved in all those houses or most of those houses are me me myself uh, I mostly work behind the scenes, so I'm I'm not on the tools. I'm not on the tools anymore. I, I haven't been um, for several years, uh, but we have we have uh, three crews that that are operating in Vancouver, and we have a crew on Vancouver Island as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so recently, this year you participated in the 15th uh, season of uh, Dragon's Den. Um, how was your experience uh, auditioning for them? So the audition happened right before COVID hit. Um, and it was, uh, it, so it happened in Vancouver. I got to pitch to the, the production team. Um, and it, that went really well. So the, the, the production team was really excited about our business and they thought it, it was unique to, to the den because, um, they hadn't had someone come on and pitch a solution to construction waste before. So we were unique in that, in that way. And, um, that that's something that's was really crucial for me is making sure that we could try to get the exposure to show Canadians that this is a massive issue um, that's happening in all of our cities and we need to start curbing this problem. Um, so that was my my main objective uh, ahead of even the investment. And so the audition process was great. Um, and then I, I knew fairly early on that we were going to get to to get to the show to actually film it. Um, and, and then the production itself uh, happened in August. And so that was a very bizarre um, experience, just traveling from Vancouver to Toronto during the pandemic. Uh, obviously, the family, my family was nervous about me traveling and, um, you know, coming back from, from Toronto, which was had more cases than Vancouver. And the whole process of traveling right now is just something that's bizarre. I never really imagined um, a scenario where we'd be get, going to airports and getting on airplanes where everyone's masked up and the social distancing and everything. So it's it's been very interesting. Um, but the process with the show itself was fantastic. The CBC staff were 
were uh, very accommodating and uh and were fantastic to work with and um and then getting getting onto that set was you know something that I've dreamed about for about 15 years I've watched every episode of Dragon's Den so it's been a goal of mine since day 1 to to be able to get get on that stage and and pitch the dragons and uh I didn't I didn't fully anticipate the result that I got um for sure uh but I was just really happy I, I got on there and I I did what I needed to do. I I was really well prepared for my pitch um and I I felt really really good leaving there um that I executed on on the plan. So uh I I was grilled really hard before even getting to the den by some entrepreneurs in in Vancouver to make sure that I was prepared and uh they they were actually more harsh than the dragons were. So I had uh, I'd taken my beating before I even got there and it, it was it was really crucial for my success on the show. So who are these entrepreneurs? Were they like your friends or acquaintances or people who work for CBC? Uh, they were acquaintances. Um, yeah, my, uh, my brother-in-law, he, he set it up. He's got some very successful colleagues, uh, and, and he's very successful himself. So he, uh, he set it up and, uh, and we had a few, a few different sessions where I pitched and then they, they grilled me like the dragons do. Um, and then I did that with a few business coaches as well. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess um, before you uh, uh, actually went on the stage uh, and met with them, um, what was your thought process like for preparing an effective pitch? I guess one thing you did was obviously practice with the people you knew and you had your, uh, you know, I guess the other um, what else uh, did you have in mind? How did you want to communicate it? What key points did you want to come across? Like, did you have a whole approach? Yeah, absolutely. So the the preparation made me really uh, whittle down what information I was going to put out there because because we have two businesses in one. Um, there, you know, I can go down a lot of different veins of thought. Um, but that can clog up the decision-making process. So we, we really shaved off any, any of the um, subject matter that was just going to distract the dragons from making a decision and really understanding the core of the business and got my answers to be really concise so that I wasn't dragging things on because um, you only have so much time up there that you have to make an impression. Um, and then there were certain subjects that we just avoided on the pitch because um, we were too afraid that they were going to be the focus of the attention and it would distract from the pitch. So it really got me focused and concise. And then also, um, you know, one of the best pieces of advice that I got was, uh, you know, let let there be silence between questions and to not not to not speak to fill silence because, some entrepreneurs that I've watched on, on the show, they they don't want that silence, whether it's awkward or not. So they just keep talking. And that, that's actually when you can get in trouble because you may say something that is either a, a warning flag or something that you don't you haven't really fully thought out because you're just nervous and there's a gap in, in time. So, um, yeah, I went in there really knowing what direction we were going to take the pitch and, and anticipating their questions. Um and and just delivering on that that is actually a def, uh, a key point is you know 
um, and I was I was actually thinking about that recently when I was watching it is like you know the dragons might be you know thinking about the deal uh, processing the page and you're standing there looking at them and then you start talking <laughs> and then when you, and then they have more questions because you said something and now they're curious <laughs> exactly yeah so yeah my my the, I'll give the same advice that was given to me is let there be silence you don't always have to talk yeah and that's true because certain things you know you have planned and certain things you may not have planned but you're there and you just feel like you have to say something so that's definitely a very uh, key point and i was thinking about that recently as i was watching the 15th season i've seen the two episodes and i know there's more but uh, that's that's key um yeah like the dra- the dragons like any good investor they're looking for that thread that they can pull and and pull the story apart because they want to make sure that they're investing in a solid business so if there is any weak points in your in the organization, the last thing you want to do is highlight those, um, unless they're weak points that are going to be addressed with this next move, um, which in, in which case you do want to address those um, so that they're out front and open. But um, yeah, silence silence is not a bad thing if everyone's sitting there processing what they want to do. Absolutely. Um, once you, um, as you were walking onto the stage, I'm guessing you were there for the first time. It was a new experience. Um, if I if I remember correctly, you kind of paused when when you began the pitch. Um, so tell us what was going through your mind as you were walking into that uh, into the into the den, and were you feeling nervous or were you like excited? Uh, what was going through your mind? Um, yeah, I was definitely I was definitely nervous. Uh, I. I tend to uh, take about 30 seconds to a minute to, to calm my nerves when I'm doing um, a pitch or a presentation to, to a group. And again, I've, I've watched Dragon's Den for so long. These, you know, all, all six of the dragons um, I have a lot of respect for. And uh, so I, I had a bit of nerves that I had to shake. And also the intro of my pitch, we had just changed it that morning, uh, myself and my producer with CBC, um, because we're trying to make the pitch more appealing to the mass to the masses, um, so less specific with the industry talk and more generalized. And mm-hmm. so it's because I had I had just switched it that morning that I I had memorized it, but the nerves had you know kind of take, taken uh, taken a pause on me. So I started, and then right away I was like, nope, that's actually not uh, that's not my intro. So I, I took a <laughs> I took a sec I took a second to reset and. Then, I wasn't sure if that was going to make the cut of the show, but of course they did. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I, I was told, but I was told that 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 made it more uh, more human, anyways. So I was told it wasn't a bad thing in the end, the way that it looked. I was I was really happy with uh, how CBC cut our pitch because I was up there for about an hour, so we got I think eight minutes on the actual television show. So they cut an hour down to eight minutes, um, and and I was just thrilled with the final result. I, I couldn't have asked for more. Mm-hmm. What happened in the re- remaining time that got edited out? Any any highlights from that conversation? Uh, they were they were really grilling me on the numbers. So you really have to know your numbers, um, not just like your revenue. Uh, they were digging in deep, and uh, and eventually it was it was going too far that Arlene actually. Um, you know, stepped in and just said, okay, guys, we got, you know, there's still due diligence. Let's, uh, let's get this back on track. So, 
Um, again, I was, I was really well prepared. I could, I can answer their questions and they're savvy. They're savvy investors, the savviest. So they're, they're gonna, they're gonna grill you and you've got to know your thing. So, um, yeah, a lot of time was spent on our, our numbers, our revenue, um, our growth and, uh, as well kind of where we're going. So what's, what is our trajectory? What are we going to use the investment for? And, uh, and there was, you know, a lot of back and forth because, uh, you know, the dragons understood our business pretty well, um, and had either some concerns for where we may end up or, um, suggestions for where we could go. And, uh, so yeah, there was, there was a lot of dialogue back and forth that got cut. It was all, it was all really positive though. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any particular dragon you like the most? <laughs> well, I, I ended up getting a deal with all six, so. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna not answer that question. I, I as I said, I, I have I have a lot of respect for all six. Um, I definitely had my targeted dragons going in, um, which I just thought would be the most strategic for us. And uh, but you know when you get an offer from all six dragons, um, you're, you're not going to turn that down. Yeah, it's it's very it's not very common where all of them join together to make a deal and i think it was their idea it wasn't your idea they are the ones who suggested that you know let's all do this together and all of them were um were liked the page and they liked the idea it's it's an innovative concept and it's also you know um uh, bringing old word back to life and putting it to use so the the the, uh, the idea has economic value and environmental value so i guess you know they they had uh, and it was a unique unique uh, pitch uh, in my opinion and and i think it was just too good to ignore or pass pass out uh, and and <laughs> yeah and that was for for me um uh, that was just so validating it's been you know it's been uh any any business the first 5 years are are pretty tough um to get through and um that doesn't that that goes for us as well so there's been you know, trials and tribulations, ups and downs over the last three years that Unbuilders has been in business. And so that that was really validating to have all six dragons want to be involved with us, want to see where we can go with it. Um, and and really seeing the value in our brand and in this movement as Canadians and really as, you know, humans, we need to we need to change the way that we consume and develop. And this is a, a great stepping stone for that. And and so I, I'm just. I was just so thrilled that they all saw that value. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm guessing a lot of the times um, when the deal happens on the show, it it doesn't survive after the show. Uh, in your case, did you guys actually end up signing, like putting it on paper and signing it? And are you guys doing business? We're still we're still in that process. Um, so yeah, we're still going through the due diligence process. Um, and uh so looking to looking to close it by the end of the year and uh we'll we'll, we'll kind of see what the final result is and on the same terms that were like discussed on the show like 3% each dragon uh something like that uh yeah that's what we're we're negotiating that's what we're in due diligence on the same deal as was on the show um so there may be some back and forth you know over the next few weeks but so far, it's been providing them with our 
our plan and, and just further information that they don't get. Because when you walk onto that set, they've never heard of you. So that that's all authentic. They've never heard of your business or who you are. And so you're going up there and pitching, and it's the first time that they've ever heard of it, and they're making a snap decision. So um, they want to make sure that you are who you are and, you, you know, the business is what it is when you leave that set. And that's what the due diligence process is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, after the episode was broadcasted, did, did you experience any, you know, a surge in website traffic, sales orders, any any huge spikes like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we had a lot of a lot of website hits, um, and they were kind of a wide variety of the the emails and calls that we got. Either you know projects to look at, uh, people wanting to franchise and and see if we could get on builders into their city. Or, uh, or people just, you know, giving, giving praises and good support. So we're, we're definitely feeling the love and the support from, from a lot of people. Um, and we've had a lot of support, um, from, from day one as well. So, um, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have even got to that, to that set if it wasn't for all the people that are behind us and, uh, and have helped us get to that point. Mm-hmm. And for you, like going into Dragonstone, like, um was was the primary motivation like having having a capital injection into your business or was it like you wanted mentorship and you were willing to give away some equity um what would you say was your primary incentive uh i mean i i had a few primary incentives so we we we're looking to raise capital. We we have been um, in an investment round for this year, and it's been tough to raise funds during COVID. Um, so we we definitely were looking for capital. Um, I would say that the next stage of the business, we will need some mentorship and guidance to really scale it and look to expand beyond the regions that we're in right now. Um, so that that's a factor as well. Um, and then obviously the exposure from being on a national TV program. So. Um, we knew that that would be great for marketing. So it was, it was kind of threefold. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, th- I think we mission accomplished and, and hopefully over the yeah. next few weeks, we, we get the deal closed and can start putting that investment, uh, to use and start continuing to build and grow. Mm-hmm. Did you, um, uh, I guess before you got on the show, did you think about, um, the possibility of growing the business organically by reinvesting the profits. Uh, did, did you think about that or were you like, you know, I, I, I want the money, I want right people and I'm willing to give away some equity and future profits. Did you have that, uh, you know, uh, thought process go through your mind? Uh, not really because of where we want to scale the business. So to, to go to the scale that we're looking at, um, we, we require investment. We require, um, we'll probably have future rounds as well. Um, if we were to go organically, we could, we could ha- grow a, you know, a good business in, in Vancouver's lower mainland. Um, but it would be, it would be tough to get outside of this area. So again, I came into this business thinking large scale, wanting to make an impact and, and hope, hopefully transition. Uh, the demolition and construction industry towards salvage and reuse. And in order to do it of that scale, um, we, we require investment and, uh, and not only just 
you know, a cash injection, but investors that are able to help with that scaling, whether it's through their connections um, or through their own projects. Um, You know, someone like Jim with Boston Pizza, you know, trying to get a reclaim wood into every Boston pizza or something like that um, can really scale the business quickly, um, far beyond what we could do organically. Mm -hmm. Um, So if someone is, um, you know, about to pitch to an investor or go to like a dragon's den, what uh, tips can you share, uh, give them to um, make the most effective pitch? Uh a few things. I mean, first of all, don't don't take no and give up. Uh, we've been told no by a lot of people. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the saying goes or, or the the standard in raising capital for, for companies is you're going to get 100 no's for every one yes that you get. So uh, you have to just continue to be persistent if your idea is good. I mean, if you've got a bad idea, you've got to you got to let it let, let it rest and, and move on to the next. But um so you got to believe in yourself, and if if you do believe in yourself and the business, and you've you know that you've got something good there, um, you're gonna you're gonna be told no, and you just got to keep moving on to the next investor, uh, and you know don't burn any bridges. You'd be surprised because some of the people that told you no in the in the first place may be interested as you, they see you grow over time, uh, and that's happened with us. A few investors that um, that passed on our round, you know, 12 months ago now saw the pitch and have seen us develop over the last 12 months and are interested again because they can see the things that we said we were going to do, we're doing. Um, so yeah, you never want to burn, burn the bridge of a good investor. And, and, uh, and, and you gotta be persistent. That's, that's definitely the key. It's, it's, it's pretty easy to give up and it's, it can be deflating if you're told no by, you know, several people in a row. Um, but you have to just keep going and push through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes uh, uh, absolute sen- uh, sense. And thank you for uh, sharing those tips. Um, well, Adam, it has been uh, very nice uh, speaking with you and learning about yourself and your background and your experience. So thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Uh, you want to share your website? Uh, how can people find you? Absolutely. Uh, so you can find us on builders.com or we're on uh Instagram and Facebook under uh, Unbuilders Deconstruction. All right, perfect. Uh, Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this uh, episode and you get a chance to learn from Adam's story and his his business and his uh, pitch experience. And if you have any questions, you can visit uh, unbuilders.com and contact them. Uh, And thank you so much for listening to Zonecast and stay tuned for more episodes.